Should we do an intro? Part of me I'm just is imagining that when when we do edit the intro to the correct place, it will be like something will go awry. I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of something that had a lot of rebrands. I've got one. 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 Three, two, one, and we're live with the all new and improved East Show podcast with your hosts Ed and Stu coming at you with more rebrands than Rangers Football Club. Hey! That is good. Brand would be like, um, what is it? Three, two, one, and welcome to the East Shore. <laughs> Can't even say it right. Welcome to the East Shore. I'm Stu, and you're Ed with more rebrands than Saved by the Bell because <laughs> they've got the college years. And also that one where Zach, is that his name? Actually marries the girl. Mark Paul Goss. What's his name? Mark Paul. Yeah, that's it. Mark Paul Gosley, yeah. Okay, I guess I had I was gonna have a little little segment there, but I think we need to get right back into that. Who are your favorite Saved by the Bell characters? Yeah, like in order. Lisa Turtle. Such a mark. No, in order. Is that the order? No, okay. Um, well, who's my favorite? Okay, my favorite character, just to kill Ed's little niche answer off, is obviously the principal. <laughs> Mr. Belding. <laughs> He was hoping that I'd go through everyone, forget about Mr. Belding. He'd go, mine's is Mr. Belding. <laughs> and then everyone would go, oh my God, what an answer. Did you know Dustin Diamond is a stand-up comedian? In <laughs> fact, did he die? <laughs> Dustin Diamond? Yeah, he, he died last year. Um, top answer on Google, what was De- Dustin Diamond's net worth when he died? 300,000. Okay, good. Yeah, I was uh I was always uh Don't say Elizabeth, I was always I was always this Elizabeth Berkeley fan. Cause she was in what was she in? What was the movie called? Showgirls, was that what Showgirls, that's it, yeah. Yes. I've never actually seen it. Do you know what? I'm not sure if I've seen it. Like it was just a sort of urban myth that uh uh what's her name in Save the Bell? Jesse. Yeah, was in a sort of saucy, saucy movie. Cause she was sort of made out to be the quite plain girl, but actually she was super hot. Yeah. Which is my niche. Um, yeah, you're always saying that, aren't you? You're always saying you like the super hot ones. <laughs> the, the, the posh spice of the Spice Girls, you know, the one that no one else fancies. So you've got, so you got more of a chance in your head. Well, yeah, you were, so you, you were doing the, um, the John Nash equilibrium even when you were that young. You know, you were going into the Spice Girls. <laughs> Adam Smith was wrong. I wish. <laughs> Who is your favourite Spice Girl out of interest to? You know what the really sad thing is? It probably is Posh Spice, but only because she married David Beckham. <laughs> and I'm just like mad respect for that. <laughs> My favourite one from a personal perspective is probably uh, probably uh, Ginger Spice. She's not like a UN ambassador and stuff these days. And she, you know, there's a bit of an awakening back when we were kids. Okay, so now, so back in the day it was Posh Spice, but it's now Ginger Spice. No, other way around. Back in the day, it was ginger spice. No, it's. I think I think Victoria Beckham's got worse over time. Not looks wise, I just mean like 
obviously found out more about her personality. But what is her personality? I mean, she's just a mum and that's it. She designs clothes. No, there's no personality. Like, like I don't mean there's no personality. It's me that she's not something that she has. Well, no, but I think that's right. I think it is a bit vapid. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think she doesn't. No, my point is she doesn't put herself. It's not like she's never one that I've ever looked on the media and thought she's putting herself out there personality-wise for anyone to judge. She's not like a, a Kardashian, for example, that's like sharing everything about her uh, her personal life. I've never thought. That's true, but that I think that's more a, a reality of Kardashians in the world that we live in rather than Spice Girls. You can't tell me you wouldn't like to go clubbing with Mel B. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Producer <laughs> Dave's shaking his head. Does Mel B have a kid with Eddie Murphy? Is that something that if I Google will come up? Yes. That is just crazy. He was big time back in the day. Speaking of Eddie Murphy being big time back in the day, I read last week that um, what's his chops got got cancelled, got attacked on stage. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Well, what what, what do you make of that uh, Will Smith thing? Their relationship is fucked. Like I, I'd never seen this this program where they just have this sort of three way talk it out thing until that happened. But every clip I've seen of it is his wife just dunking on him, like horrendously, just like. Uh, I don't love you. I need time away from you. Fuck you. And he's just like, okay, okay, I hear you. You know, just trying to be sort of magnanimous about it and just getting completely dunked on. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to have, I think they've had or are going to have another one. Um, Is this the show that predated the Oscars that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. They ha- I don't, I think it's a regular sort of live chat the two of them have. Yeah. But the, I think he was obviously a bit, out of his senses and the whole reaction was a little bit like he was sort of laughing a little bit then looked at his wife and then it was this sort of slightly delayed reaction i mean i'm not not saying that doesn't isn't consistent with a sort of normal normal human reaction but still yeah you, you can't you can't do that but i mean that's it's like it's just back to that thing about when is a joke not a joke or when something goes too far and, and some of it i think is I tend to agree with the idea that well, if if it's a if it's something that someone has that, that there's nothing they can do about, then that is maybe more touchy ground than something that someone does, you know, sort of more free choice. But then I do like a a good a good Jimmy Carr joke as well. I um I will I I don't know if this is like in one of his popular shows, but I saw a great joke that he did. I don't know if I'm allowed to repeat it for like copyright, but you know. You know, it was great. He was basically saying, um, basically these days, you know, only the people that have got the particular characteristic can like make fun of people. So, you know, only gay people can make fun of the gays and only um, Jewish people can make fun of the Jews and it, that sort of thing. That's just the way it's all gone. That's all, that's the way it's all just going in comedy these days. <clears throat> anyway, two pedophiles walk into a bar. <laughs> One of my favorite ones about him is when he when he is when he gets heckled by people, he gets heckled by this fat woman for saying like a joke and, and she screams out, Oh, that's fattest. And he's just like, I think you're the fattest. Um, and then I saw another one where someone gets where someone heckled at Bat was great as well. But the one that keeps coming up on TikTok that is a classic is Pete Davidson, the roast of Pete Davidson. And he's talking oh, he's about great. Yeah. So I mean, we don't get the in, in the UK. And I don't know if it would quite quite work here. Or not? I guess it probably would if you got the right the right people on. But I guess it's the, that sort of American get all your mates around a bit self-aggrandizing. I, mean, I suppose we have the similar things with like we used to have more of them actually, where it'd be like a 
you know, Adele did one where she sort of sang songs and answered questions. We used to have more of that sort of thing on TV. We don't, don't yeah, see so we had Gervais doing the Grammys. That's all you need, or not the Grammys, the, was it the Grammys? Whatever it was, the Bath, the, whatever it was. Golden Globes, yeah. I mean, that was basically everyone get ghosted. But it's the thing with the Davidson, is that the one with like Shaq and Justin Bieber? Yeah. So have you seen the film about that he wrote, which is basically his life story? It's about a guy sort of struggling because his dad was a firefighter and he, you know, his dad dies as a firefighter and he sort of gets in with the firefighting thing. Have you seen that movie? No. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, you know, his dad died in. Yeah. Nine, yeah. Yeah. So have you seen the Jimmy Carr thing, the roast of Pete Davidson? No. Oh, well, he's just like, well, you know, you know, should make jokes about this sort of thing. Uh, you know, 9-11, that sort of thing. Um, but I can't remember the exact joke, but he's basically just like, this is this is this is the roast of Pete Davidson. It's not the roast of Pete Davidson's dad. That was in September the 11th. <laughs> and Pete Davidson, you know, obviously he, I think he proved the joke beforehand and is like laughing his head off, but everyone else in the crowd is just like, ooh. That's better. You know, prove the joke beforehand. That's perfect. Because you yeah, yeah. create maximum awkwardness. But the but the one person that could take real genuine offense, you know. I, I think as I get older, the comedy I like more is just like it can be it could not make a lot of sense, but it's just if it if the person telling the joke thinks it's funny, then that's you, what I like. You've finally become a gag man. No, not a gag man. Oh, it can be it can be, it can be super high concept. Gags, gags, gags are more lowest common denominator. Like gags, anyone gags, will laugh at. Artist. So, <sighs> have you seen uh, Man on the Moon? Yes. Have you seen the Jim? We might have talked about this on the pod before. Have you seen the Jim Carrey documentary about yeah. Man on the Moon? So, my wife hadn't seen either of them, and we rewatched them. And I just think, yeah, that that style where Andy Kaufman is—it's literally just like a lot of people just don't understand it at all. Like why you would get up and read an entire book instead of doing a comedy set and it takes like 12 hours and people are falling asleep and that sort of thing and then you get interviewed about it and it's just like why would you do that and he's just like funny <laughs> like that that is that's enough for me and i just that commitment to the art like if you just follow through with something if you, if you think it's funny that's enough for me and i imagine also with that you knew that he knew that 10, 20, 30 years later, people would just have to tell that story. And it, and it, you know, I find the, the idea of that funny. I don't even need to hear it. Yeah, that, I mean, they're being there. It probably isn't as funny. You know, you probably laugh a bit. Yeah. And then you see a few people left in the crowds, you know, near the end that have just stuck with it. Um, you know, just be there for the entire performance. But yeah, I love love all that. Love all that. Should, yeah. Oh, who should we should we introduce our new producer? Yeah, by the way, Steve? So the the listeners are probably thinking, Christ. I uh, didn't realise it, but I have been missing this podcast for the last year and a half. Why, A, did it stop? And B, why is it suddenly returned? Um, well, I guess it stopped because, well, a variety of life reasons. I moved down south to London um, and, you know, Ed and I had um, a massive fallout, which we will address. <laughs> <laughs> which we will address one week in the pod if you keep listening to it, but not this week. And then uh, our um, good friend, well, your good friend and mine, Dave Mitchell said, I want to produce, I want to get my creative juices flowing. I want to produce something. I don't want to make the music, but I want to produce the music. I don't want to be on the pod, but I do want to control the pod. Uh, so here we are, starring Ed Ross and Stuart Lee, produced by. In, a, in the West Wing, it would be starring Ed Ross and Stuart Lee with 
David Mitchell. Although I suppose the whiff would imply that you were actually in the show, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would very much be produced by. Produced by. How do you hold on, champ? No De Bruyne. In our mini league, phrases right back into it because he's got him captain. And Ange is champions elect at the moment with chips still to play. And was before this game. Like I got quite lucky because Mount, Alonso and James started. So in the end, James and Alonso both started both games in double game week. It just so happened in their first game, Chelsea conceded and Alonso got ripped at halftime. And then Mount, who I thought would maybe get 110, 120 minutes, didn't play it at all in the first game, but then you know, scored after three minutes. And it, it's a bit like the Arsenal game with Leeds, where they once Leeds got a man sent off, then the other team took the foot off the gas. But yeah, I basically need Mount, James and Alonso to at least match KDB, Laporte, Cancelo. And yeah, can't do much about Frey's having KDB captain. The Salah benching after the, after the result of the weekend, if Salah had played well, then I think he might have started. But I listened to the Anfield rap and they were like, well, it's not it's so much he needs a rest. It's actually he's not been playing that well. So it's actually more that coupled with needing a rest is why he didn't start it. Do you think Jurgen Klopp dropped Mohamed Salah? Well, yeah, but also he wants him, he doesn't want him to put in another tied performance for the cup final. Are you saying that Jurgen Klopp has waved the white flag in the league and he's now prioritizing the cup competition? No, and at no point did I say he was no waving the white flag in the league. The only thing I would say is is that the midfield, and I think we felt this, especially in the start of the game, the midfield was the area we most missed the the regular three in midfield. Like Fabinho had too much to do. You know, some people see Thiago as a luxury player, but he does get in there and make tackles. And I think Jones likes playing quite far forward. And Cater, I think, had a bad game. I read Jonathan Liu article, who's probably the worst pundit on The Guardian. He was saying, you know, Cater had a good game. And for me, that game felt like a loss. I mean, it felt it felt like a loss because, yeah, it wasn't great fancy football with Salah not starting. Salah even had a chance to score like a minute after coming on. But... It was a really frustrating watch. Even at 2-1, we had chance, like I say chances. I mean, we had chances as well, but we had openings where, you know, it was just super frustrating to watch. And I, I thought, you know, at 2-1, Villa always have a chance. And then on balance, 2-1 was probably a fair result, even though the, the Villa's first goal was bollocks. Like they then, just that classic thing, you know, when you were, when Liverpool played really well in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the second half and then started to dominate. And I think Villa ran out of gas a bit. And I'll come on to that about when it comes to City. But, but yeah, they created more chances once we'd scored. But we should have really got a third goal. Uh, and I think there was a few times, and Cater does like to carry the ball, but there's a few times where people just needed to pass the ball a bit more. So the thing I was going to say about City is, if Aston Villa take the game to City like that in the first 20, 30 minutes... They've got a chance, but I felt like after half an hour, and maybe it was partly due to Henderson coming on and having a little bit more energy than Fabinho, Villa ran out of gas. And in that sort of mid 30 minutes of the game, they then didn't press high and we just started to dominate the ball, which is what City will do against them as well. But for that first 30 minutes, Villa looked very threatening with the sort of high press. I mean, you don't, for a Villa, you don't want to be playing the game in your own half because, you know, Mings is a bomb scare and so on. Yeah, I felt it was a few times if Ings had held his run, a few runs. I mean, Villa, I know what you're saying, you could have scored more goals. But part of me also, when I watched it, I did think 2-0 would have been... It, well, put it this way, 2-0 would not have been an unfair result. I'm not saying it would have been a fair result either, but it's been one of those games where I thought it was a good game. I thought Villa gave as good as they, they got. But there was a 
few times that I thought, oh, Liverpool could, I mean, certainly, like you're saying, a few times you lost the ball in midfield or maybe didn't play smartly and maybe a bit more clinical, maybe some runs held and it could have been too all. And they play quite direct, which is like, you know, they play it out Stevie wide G. in the channels, which is totally fine. I mean, that is a is a Stevie G old school sort of tactic, I think. But it it was working. You know, if Fabinho gets stranded and and it's, you know, on the opposite side to Van Dyke or Van Dyke gets isolated. And other people, because a lot of a lot of strikers don't have the confidence to like run at Van Dyke because they just think they're going to lose it. But even if you lose it two out of three times, it's better to try, you know, and then potentially create like a big, big chance. I've got a bad feeling about um, Seville. Have they not already beaten two Bundesliga teams that are better than the one they're playing or something? Who are they playing? <laughs> They're playing, playing Frankfurt, yeah. I played Frankfurt, who are 11, but we're 11th in the Bundesliga. Yeah, they beat Leipzig and um, Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Shortman, more like. <laughs> I don't want to alienate our listeners, but I would be okay with an Eintracht Frankfurt win. They applied for an open-top bus parade if they win. In Glasgow? Yeah. Because one thing, I, I've listened to quite a lot of football podcasts, and... Everyone basically says, basically everyone, Jamie Carragher basically says, everyone says that if they could have played in one match in their career, it would have been an old firm. And then like Gary Neville will say, what? More than a classical? And they'll everyone just says, yeah. But why would you want an open pot? Why would you want to risk that? You're just going to get shit lobbed at you. Totally. And probably a lot of piss as well. Bags of it. Do you think? Yeah. I don't think they want to be anywhere near it. It's not like when there's an orange march, you get loads of normal people, you know, obstructing it and stuff. Most people are just like, just like, right, fuck, let's just avoid Glasgow on that day and leave them to it. Yeah, okay, fair point. Are you having a beer, Ed? Uh, I've had about five double IPAs. I was meant to be fasting today. It got to about one o'clock and um, there's a couple of bits of sourdough with a bit of butter that hadn't been eaten. So I had that with a bit of egg mayo. And then um, had a few cheese and biscuits, a few rough oat cakes with um, butter and cheese, the classic, and it, it sort of unraveled from there. No, the fasting has been good. Although actually for dinner, we had a little rack of lamb, or I did at least, which was amazing, the chips. Once the wheels are off, there's no point in hitching the wagon. Well, I'm on holiday this weekend, so I'm, I'm justifying it in that way. You're not for it. But the, I think I was, I've not been feeling well and... I did actually get up and go to spin this morning on about six hours sleep. So I think it's all sort of caught up with me. So I've, I've, um, I've self-medicated with, with five or six double IPAs. I got a mystery box from Overtone Brewing, 40 pounds plus postage, 12 beers. And it was actually, it was actually good. Yeah. Two sours, about four or five double IPAs. There's a triple IPA and God knows what else in there. And maybe four, four or so IPAs. So pretty good. I did a bit of the fasting. I was reading about it. I did a two in the last two weeks. I've done two 24 hour plus ones and then the 168. But I find the 168 doesn't that isn't that difficult. It's not that it's not it's not not difficult. It's just I don't know if I'm getting anything from it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was never uh, we've talked about this on the pod loads before, but I was never massive on eating breakfast. So then quite often uh I could potentially get to to lunchtime and quite often at work or or even pre-lockdown usually eat lunch at like three o'clock and then we eat dinner with the kids at like half five six o'clock which is actually quite soon after if you're eating it sort of you know back of two for lunch but what I was saying to you Stu before was my problem is that even if I eat dinner if I don't eat dinner I'll still have those cravings later at night you know when you finally put the kids to bed and you're sitting down and you're watching the Ozark series two because you're trying to catch up 
And it's just like, right, I can finally unwind for like, I say an hour, but it's usually about 45 minutes before I then fall asleep. You're just like, oh, I'll just get a bit of something, something. But what I was saying to you is I found if I'd had dinner and especially, you know, like a pasta dish, then I'd actually, the temptation would be greater there. Because I, I, I think when you eat carbs, you just want more sugar afterwards, or at least I do. Whereas if I've basically not eaten all day and I'm like, right, I've, I've got this far, then I'm a, I'm a bit more resolute and maybe that's just a psychology or or mindset thing but the monday the mondays fasting all day monday has been pretty easy and i think part of that and again this might be psychological but part of that i think is because i've obviously been over the weekend and i've probably ate well over the weekend and then my original plan was fast all day monday eat tuesday fast all day wednesday or at least see how it goes on wednesday and last wednesday was tough and obviously today was tough my plan today actually partly because i wasn't feeling well at start day was I won't do the full thing on Wednesday. I'll um I'll eat dinner. So that's more similar to the sort of general five-two diet where you you have two days where you eat less on those two days. You try and eat, you know, 500 calories or less than a thousand calories on those two off days. Like have like a, a steak and a salad for dinner, and that's like all you eat. So that's might be what I progress to on the Wednesdays. Cause I, cause I, I feel like, yeah, between the Monday where I've not ate much, and then I don't, if I'm not like having loads and loads on the Tuesday, then I feel like when wednesday can be can be tough yeah for sure i i I, a big part of it for me is um when i'm tired i just lose the willpower like today for example i'm really tired so i'm just like oh it's an entire pack of peter bread and hummus and as i'm eating it i'm like it's almost like this weird brain thing where you're one part of my brain's like you don't need to do this another part of my brain's just like yes this is fucking great and some people can can control that that monkey monkey side of the brain but please write in with your tips just being a normal eater you can tweet us at Isha. Is it at Isha or is that the Isha? Uh, our Twitter account. Yeah. Um, where can I'll they ha- find us? Where, and where, and where can they find you, Ed? I'll have to look it up. Bear with me. So our Twitter account is at the East Show, but unfortunately, having now picked up my phone, I've now seen that Kevin De Bruyne has scored a fourth goal. <laughs> <laughs> that is sweet. Let's just have a look at the points. I'm on a monster week this week. I've got 112, 125 points. Take that. Fraz might have played his way back into contention this with us. That might he? Yeah, getting 60 points for your captain is, is generally considered good news. Oh, you'll be all right, won't you, champ? Because you've been waiting for someone to say champ's bank to, and I feel this might have been what it was. So it'd be really sad if it was taken away. Oh, I'm, I'm sweating. I mean, I I'm, you need it. It's, it's, it's not the, the prestige is... You can't put a price on winning the Who Fighted League. It's... But you all, you're also the villain of the league for some reason. And I have to say, I don't understand why, really, but you are the villain of the league. Well, it, it is like, I mean, it, it was like the Man, Man United of the league. Not serial winner, but always in the mix. But that 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 analogy is is, is long gone Yeah, now. but I mean, like, it, people I've ever met or heard of just seem to have anyone but Ed. <laughs> it's kind of brutal in the WhatsApp chat. <laughs> yeah, but I think most of them know me. So. Oh, yeah, well, that's what you don't that's want. That's even worse. <laughs> well, no, people that don't know you saying anyone but Ed. So, new section of the pod. We're sort of calling this Ed Small Plates. Pachatas Bravas. Although I think this is going to end up devolving into sort of politics section because the, the, the three more topical things I was going to talk about, I don't know if you've seen much of this, Stu, was the Johnny Depp Amber Heard court case. Uh, and the new wish version of that, which has started today or maybe yesterday, the um, 
Wagatha, Wagatha Christie. And then the other political one was the Michael Gove interview this morning. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see the Gove interview. This oh, morning. right. Well, watch it after pod. It's interesting. It's I've had a lot of parody videos of it this morning, though. So there you go. He just puts on loads of like accents and stupid voices in a BBC interview. And then I saw, I saw a tweet saying, you know, it was so bad that it got cocaine trending on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, and it's just, ah. Uh, can't go into too much on the political stuff, but it's I, there's been quite a lot of stuff in the news that is just beyond parody at the moment. Like there was something there was something in the Times or the Telegraph a couple of days ago about cost of living crisis and someone being like, "Oh, I'm going to have to get an au pair instead of a nanny because an au pair is only ten grand a year and a nanny's for eleven nannies forty k." You just assume that this is this must be from like Waterford Whispers or you know the Onion or something, and then you see it's like a link to a Telegraph article. It's just like, oh god. Yeah, but I only did that because you got to reserve a good nanny years in advance. And and and, and the supply chain from Eastern Europe is um, not as strong as it once was. What? Because of Brexit, not because of the Ukraine. <laughs> anyway, was- let's let's walk it back. So, question: Quite Why why is there a court case between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? And even more so, why is there a court case? Because it's one thing about this, is it an American? Is it an Australian? I don't even know. This American thing about suing people for defamation, that sort of thing. But I don't understand why Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney are having a court case about this. I, I, well, it no seems one... nonsensical. And, and the stuff that's come out today, you know, they're going through all of Rebecca Vardy's text. I just don't see why people that are otherwise extremely rich would want the fucking hassle of this. Well, I think it all stems from the fact that they, they, they asked Colleen Rooney to take down the offending Instagram post and she refused to do it. So the only way to force her to do it is to sue. Now, and apparently the most they'll get in damages is between 15 and 20 grand, but their costs will be, well, probably in the millions, I imagine. I just don't get it. So then they're doing that because of one Instagram post. And what was it? Just basically saying it's Rebecca Vardy and she's trying to clear her name. Well, yeah, so in order for not, I mean, my understanding is for not to be defamation, Colleen Rooney has to prove that it was Rebecca Vardy that leaked her Instagram stories to the press. So really the owner, the burden of proof is on Colleen Rooney to to prove this. Okay, which might be fairly difficult, but going through an entire court case about it where Rebecca Vardy's texts and everything have to get shared and some of them are shocking, you know. Yeah, I just don't no, see why they would do that. All this other it just makes stuff. it worse. I mean, it seems it's more attention grabbing, right? They just yeah. want to be in the public eye more than. Yeah, there was a great picture of uh, Wayne Rooney and Colleen Rooney get, coming to court, and he just looked absolutely livid. Like I saw, I was really like, yeah. "Why do yeah. I have to be? What is this?" Like, yeah, Vardy's playing tonight and he's banged in a few goals, but last thing he needs. And yeah. I don't, I don't get the other one as well. Well, the haired one, is it not more, she she called him a wife beater um, and he said, no, I'm not, and sued her for that. And she then countersued him for actually being a wife beater or something like that. But I thought she'd abused him. I mean, they're definitely, whether or not physical or not, I, but I thought there was videos of that as well, but definitely, definitely mentally and all the rest of it. I mean, I, I've hardly seen anything that's positive for Amber Heard so far. Oh, some of it's been, yeah, you're right. It's been pretty 
grim watching. But I guess in these, I mean, this my opinion would be in this day and age, these, and it goes back to Will Smith's point as well, like once you do something that's like sort of bad values, like, you know, hit your wife or attack your partner or go on stage and attack a comedian that's presenting an award, your career is absolutely it, fucked, basically. You know, I mean, I, apparently Will Smith was in line for a whole bunch of really prestigious roles and they've all just been withdrawn. I just, yeah. But did he, not, he, did, he literally won an Oscar that night, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the, I handled that was really poor. I mean, I'm, I don't know why they can't just, they couldn't just withdraw the, the, the Oscar from him, you know, and that sort of, I guess that would cause a split second decision. But you've got to think in the back of their mind when he does that, they're thinking, they must be thinking in about two hours time, he's going to get up on stage and collect the best actor award. Or I don't even know how long it was. Like say it's like half an hour later, it's just a bizarre situation. But yeah, these guys, like Johnny Depp's career is pretty much kiboshed. I mean, I don't even know what Amber Heard did. Because of because of that claim, so is he doing it to get his career back on track? I don't think he is. I don't think he is doing it to get his career back on track. I think he's doing it because he thinks that her her accusations have ruined his career because he won't get any parts anymore. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, but I feel like he's been screwed over by this woman. Like you know, and fair enough that that's not always the dynamic that happens in relationships or marriages, and and it's. It's more the female abusing the male, but from the from the yeah little I've read, all conjecture, um, that's what I feel. But then he's been a bit more like, okay, fine, you know, we've split up or whatever, move on. But then she's tried to cause more of a deal about it, and at that point he's sort of gone, okay, yeah, going to call you on it then if you're going to keep causing hassle. And I, it it just does seem from her like a complete acting job. I mean, he's just like seems extremely laid back and chilled out in the in the court case his responses to some of the questioning and that sort of thing yeah yeah i just think i like yourself i think it's ridiculous that these people spend so much time and money arguing over these things but i guess we were talking about it at work today i guess no matter how much money you've got or how high profile you are you just get into a situation where you're probably just completely blinkered and you just don't see the you don't see what's going on and that just doesn't matter nothing matters except winning the case you know i imagine pauline and um Rebecca will think whoever wins that case, they'll think it was money well spent. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, from Colleen Rooney's perspective, it's, I mean, her winning is quite good because then she can be like, well, I did this whole trap. I trapped you. I, I knew it was you all along and I was right. And this is all absolute bullshit. I've been sued. You've sued me for this. It's quite high. I mean, it is really fucking high stakes from Rebecca Vardy. Like if she did do it, it just seems completely bonkers. And the great thing about that case is one of the things that came out was her PA, Rebecca Vardy's PA, she was meant to hand over her phone so that all of her WhatsApp messages could get checked, but she lost it because she was on a boat off the coast of, uh, I think it was Scotland or Northern Ireland, and a big wave hit the boat and she dropped the phone in the sea. And her lawyers saying things like, well, you know, I mean, everyone thinks this is really nefarious but accidents do happen you know these things happen it's very common you're like what the day after you get told to hand over your phone for a court inspection you drop it in the sea i mean that's not this is what i mean though what did you say before about it's high risk that's just the the state of the world that we live in and it is is completely from from the very top you know the politicians that we currently have to to suffer anytime someone gets in trouble they just say well i didn't do it It's, it's not my fault and then try and come up with some bullshit reason as to, as to why it isn't. And then whether it is the police or the legal system or whatever, they 
they got off with it. There's a million different examples, you know, politically at the moment, but you've same with John Terry and and so on. People just, you know, are sort of above the law at that point and, and get away with it. And everyone sees through it and knows it's bullshit, but still they, they get away with it. You gotta be careful. You could get sued. We could get sued. But I think going back to your point about the state of politicians, I actually think it's more indictment on the state of people. Like people just aren't interested in serious discussions. They're not interested in nuance. They just like tabloids and headlines and not not troubling themselves with the details of things. Yeah, we're moving into more of that American society where people just back. I mean, it's not even it's it's purely conservative thing. People just back them relentlessly. If, if you voted for them, then you'll find a way to excuse it, or you'll just say, "Oh, it's the affable Boris Johnson," or you know, Rishi Sunak seems like a thoroughly decent young man, and this sort of thing. Whereas, I guess, it doesn't happen so much for Labour because their whole raison d'etre is sort of, yeah, I, I still don't know what they're what they're doing. Um, yeah, I couldn't name a single one of their policies. I mean, I just couldn't. I don't know if you're coming to your big question, Stu. Um, well, Ed, um, do you think there's space in uh, modern media and, and politics um, for politicians um, and for journalists to ask uh, ask questions and to get nuanced, detailed answers, you know, about about grey issues? Doesn't everything doesn't need to be black or white? And do you think and do you think that's something important that we need in our in our politics and in our media? Yeah, and I think I think it partly all went wrong, at least from someone that works as a government analyst. When Michael Gove, I think it was, said that everyone had given up on experts, I don't know what is causing the. Well, I guess I, I guess what I was going to say, I don't know. I don't know what's causing because I, I I don't see things getting better anytime soon. I think the media has has something to blame on that. I guess social media is is a problem as far as you know all the stuff we know about echo chambers and that sort of thing and people just hearing the opinions they like to hear over and over again i mean for example with social media i like the idea of tiktok i think it's good you get a minute and it is informative but if that's the only place that people are getting their news from and they're just getting the same thing over and over again like you say it's going to be an echo chamber that's going to get reinforced these 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 ideas without ever looking into anything people not looking into things properly for themselves. Politicians just aren't allowed to give honest answers to questions anymore for fear of producing a soundbite that will then be replayed by their opposition over and over and over again during an election. It's a big problem because it means you can't have a debate about serious issues. But I think, to me, the problem is much more fundamental than that. Like, people have done stuff that is clearly against the law and not resigned for it, like... I mean, I think the thing I the thing I think I hate the most about the government at the moment is um, it seems pretty clear to me that the prime minister, I don't think he gives a crap about any of his policies. I think he just wants to be prime minister. Yeah, yeah. I just I think it's just got worse. And you know, we laugh at people like Donald Trump, but we're literally no better. No. Yeah. I. I yeah. I'd agree with that. And I, I worry that it politics in this country is just going to get worse and become more like that as you say and it's all related to that oh i vote for this person because i vote for them and potentially because i've cherry pick a few arguments in their manifesto or whatever i've been brought up in a you know comparatively richer or poorer family if you take a lot of the really serious issues or diff tricky issues like tax or immigration or policing or um dni and Tax is a pretty good example in running an economy, particularly post-COVID, in a sort of 
when there's war going on. It's a very nuanced thing, and you've got the rising cost of living and uh, energy prices. I mean, that's obviously a really nuanced thing that there's going to be some difficult decisions. Um, I don't want to come. I'm, I'm supposed to play devil's advocate here, but you do need to tax people to spend pay for stuff, right? I mean, that's just a reality, and I think they obviously do probably need to tax businesses more than individuals and be harder on the big huge corporations that seem to be no tax in our country. I mean, that that's what pisses me off. But it seems to be this very black and white thing of, uh, you know, labor saying, well, you're not ta- you're 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 not doing enough for working class people, but I still don't know what it is that they're offering. I mean. And, no, and it doesn't seem to be that anyone's ever willing to have a detailed conversation about it. I mean, I think all of these issues really shouldn't be left or right. They should, they should be quite a central thing. And whatever policy you produce for your country, if you're, you know, Labour or Conservative, should really just be very slightly left or very slightly right of that centre because you have a particular preference. That's how it should work out because people have proper conversations about these things. We're going to have to edit most of this out, Dave, because I, I, I have to be impartial. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a 45 minute political tangent that was a big one <laughs> that, that was that was a meaty question right let's talk entertainment let's talk about um <clears throat> what i've been watching recently uh which is the final series of this is us ed ross have you been watching this is us i have been watching it have you watched all of it so far? Yes, I've watched all of it, including the Miguel episode. Okay, the I was going to say episode. episode. That's all I cared about. Um, the la- this season, I've not. I'll tell you. Spoilers, what- by the way, because a lot of people don't like us talking about film, TV, music that they've not not listened to. But if 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 you're not on season six, episode fifteen of This Is Us, then start questioning your life choices. Dave, no, no joke, Dave. Are you really saying that you don't mind us spoiling This Is Us for you? Because it's Fucking brilliant. I, I don't know what it is, so no, I, I don't mind it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. excellent. Right, well, This Is Us. I've, a lot of people have asked me this. What is This Is Us? And I've really tr- struggled to explain because it basically doesn't have a story. It's got, no, it's got no... It's about a family. It's just about a family, and you follow them from, I guess, three generations of this family, right? From when they... Um, and it's about a, a couple that have a couple of kids, and they adopt a kid, and it's about those kids growing up. And the story is told from the perspective of the parents in like the 80s and the three kid, little kids. It's also told from the perspective of those same three little kids when they're adults. Um, and it's also told from the perspective of when they're a little bit older than that. So you, you, you get all these different timelines. And it's not about anything. It's just about the story of the family. You know, all of our lives could be equally rich because we've all got mad, you know, lives like that. Um, it's very good, but it's just like emotional porn. You're just watching it to feel better about you know yourself that you're still a human being that can feel at least that's why i watch it um but it's up to the last season but i feel like i don't know what do you think i don't know if i can just spoil it for him right here right now that description is like that you were desperately trying not to spoil anything about it while giving yeah. that description it was good wasn't like it? to give a description that might make you want to watch it it's like milo venti miglia i.e peter petrelli just being like a completely boss dad, basically, of three triplets. So you just, all you've done, all you've done is you've said the same thing as me, but you've used heroes, which was smart. I'll give and, you. And also, <laughs> and also, um, well Peter Petrelli. <laughs> Peter Petrelli. He's the best thing about it, but he is a flawed character. I mean, it is, you know, it, the best thing in the show is him, is the, 
And it is mostly in the first two series where it's sort of in real time, where it's him as the dad of the family. Like, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get it. He is the... F- He's probably the second best character in it. And do you know who the first best character is, Stuart? Um, you're going to say, and I've forgotten his name, but you're going to say Randall's dad. No, I'm not. Then I don't know who the best character is. You do, you do. I think it's Kevin. You'll get there. You'll get there eventually. Is it? Is it? Um, is it Toby? No. Although he's up there. He's up there. The actor's name is Gerald McRaney. Gerald McRaney. Oh, is it the doctor? Yeah. Yeah, fair. The doctor is amazing. Basically, the doctor, the doctor delivers the babies. He, he is. When it, basically you can tie. You can do a regression and you can you can tie him leaving the series to the series going down so the shit. Talk about the show at all. This is not great. But uh, are you enjoying the, the latest season? I'm not enjoying it because it's just this sort of filler. Oh, it's horrendous. And I know the last episode's gonna be horrendous as well. It's just gonna be like a complete fucking who's the guy? Spielberg, just like uh saving private Ryan, just like you have to feel fucking upset for the next 20 minutes here. Because clearly it's going to be when, when the mum dies. 